Welcome back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. I'm your host as usual, Seth Macy, and today we're doing another one of listener questions. I'm trying to invite old guests back onto the show uh, once a month. We're going to be doing this series where people submit questions or topics to discuss, and today is one of those days. I'm joined again by Aaron Manis, one of my good friends, awesome photographer, and today we're going to get really into the weeds with some good questions um, and how our 21's been off to, so I hope you enjoy this one. What have you been up to? What have you been up to? What's on the horizon? Before we get into listener questions, we're going to what, answer maybe three that I've gotten, three that you've gotten, and just we'll shout the person out and kind of roll through them Yeah, and sort of break down our thoughts and opinions on them. Yep. Um, I'm so and, glad to be here, Seth. So thank you. Round two. I'm glad you're here. Round two. I'm one a year. That's what, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going for. One a year. One podcast a year or one with me? One with you. A year, Perfect. at least. Exclusively? Are you allowed to do other shows? Do you want me to be exclusive? Well, you already broke that rule because you did go on Ray Hennessy's. Yes, but we have which not discussed. It's a very good podcast. I have checked it out and the sound quality is probably <laughs> even better than this one. The sound quality is phenomenal. Very good. So very yes. good, Ray. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, what's on the horizon for you for 2021 before we get into some questions? Maybe some goals? I don't know. I, I kind of outlined one in one of my captions recently. Yeah. Not resolutions, specifically not resolutions, because resolution almost has like a, it's almost negatively framed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like um, you sucked last year. Yeah. I sucked last year. I got to do this differently as opposed yeah. to, I don't know, focusing more on the positives. Do you have any of those lined up? Yeah. I want to, well, I think last year my goal or focus was uh, kind of learning the craft, seeing what I liked uh, in terms of photography. I'm, I'm pretty new at it. So uh, seeing what stuck, uh, seeing what I liked, um, developing skills, meeting people, connecting, uh, really just very photography-based, self-centeredly, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, this goal, or this year, my goal, I think, is to take that skill set, that year of work that year of education what have you and kind of put it to put it to action like uh am i going to sell some prints am i going to um put some of my work up in a restaurant a local restaurant those sorts of things uh kind of working towards actually making it uh, a real thing versus this sort of fake instagram land that you can get caught into i think uh where you're just that's your focus like i want more followers and i, I need more content and uh I want more likes and all that stuff that can get you right. a little bit, uh, sidelined, I think from the real world in terms of why are you doing this and what are you trying to do? So I think it's shifting from that to, to that other piece. Yeah. I think it's important to not put all your eggs in one basket in that sense, meaning going entirely digital. Um, we've said it before on the show. It's just so cool to have somebody buying your work or just like even putting it up yourself in your own room or in your mm -hmm. own house. Mm -hmm. It's like an awesome first step to just seeing what the physical medium of a, of a picture looks like, especially when you've taken it. Yeah. And that's a, that's something I'm doing. I'm investing in the work that I feel like, you know, that took a lot of time to get that photo, uh, to edit it, to process it. So I'm going to purchase myself as like a little gift, uh, a hundred dollar metal, metal frame or, um, gift to yourself. Yeah. And then put it up and now I have the actual piece. So I can, I can make that a special piece. This is printed on metal. This was the first uh, run of it. Uh, it's X amount of dollars. It's on my site, ready to ship. So that's kind of my process Perfect. now uh, in terms of those. Uh, I just got six things from MPix. Um, some wood frames, some or wood prints. They're actually printed on wood. Some metal prints. Um, 
just a, a mix of things and yeah, just ready to go put them around the house. And, uh, I'm doing a little local deal with a local restaurant to put some, uh, four by sixes out on the tables with a little bit of, um, you know, a call to action to follow the restaurant, follow me, a local photographer, uh, mm. and hopefully, you know, those little things, those little ideas that you can have with certain people and little connections can create bigger connections. So that's the whole goal, I think for 2021. Yeah. I mean, you just never know who's going to walk in the door of a place like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all it takes is one image, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I remember when we had Warren Keelan on the show, I mean, just the fact he has a brick and mortar store has helped him tremendously in Australia. Just the fact he has an entire um, shop dedicated to his work that people can walk in off the street. It's totally, it's a totally different world. And I think people appreciate it more. You know what I mean? And people take you a bit more seriously. I th- I think so. Absolutely. I mean, it's, there's so much talent out there. And if you have it all in one place, a billion users, it's tough to feel different or feel like you're good enough or better or worth buying or what have you. But if you can get your place, if, if someone walks in and says, wow, this restaurant wanted to hang up his stuff. Hmm, exactly. Okay. Maybe, maybe I do too. I think it just, it takes it out of frame versus swiping through thousands of very similar, very good, often pictures. Yeah. I mean, you're being authenticated in a way by a third party. I mean, that person has walked into that restaurant to pay that restaurant money who mm-hmm. has paid or well, maybe they haven't paid you, but they've chosen to put your photos up. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's instant. Um, the perception is instantly that A, they belong to be there, which I'm sure they do, and B, like maybe I should have them too, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I like that goal. Um, and if you also treat it sort of like, if you treat Instagram like an investment, let's say, would you put your entire, uh, whatever amount of money you've set aside, would you put it all into one thing? You shouldn't. Because what happens when, you know, Instagram has a meltdown? You're done. Yeah. You are done. Yep. And that's, a, I think, a good reason to maybe in 2021 think about starting to diversify across different digital platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I heard your uh, last podcast. I don't know if it was the last one, but the one with Lindsay. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Diversifying, uh, you know, spreading out. Doing lots of things, real things, digital things. Yeah, get, get on LinkedIn, get on TikTok. I I'm gagging in my mouth a little bit <laughs> while I'm saying that. <laughs> well, even just utilize the real. Yeah, utilize the real feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny though. I had uh, there's a person who listens to the show, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. How's it going? Um, he was sending me uh, screenshots the other day of his analytics from the identical post, an identical shot that he posted on Twitter versus um instagram and his twitter numbers and impressions just totally embarrassed instagram Hmm. um just you know stuff to think about i know we beat it to death on this show at times but just um food for thought um for sure um but let's get into some questions i have a lot um i think you have quite a few and um We'll shout out who asked them, and then I kind of guess we'll I guess we'll just kind of bounce back and forth with our thoughts and opinions on them, and um, I'm sure an hour will fill up pretty quick. Yes. Who Why goes don't first? So, for people listening, we haven't shared what the questions are ahead of time on purpose, because I don't want us to have any preconceived notion of how we want to go into this. So, um, you're the guest. I will let you go first, and we shall dive into it. Okay. I like this one uh, because I think we're going to have similar answers. Um, 
which doesn't make for an interesting podcast. We should be arguing, I guess. But uh, AJ, maybe I'll just argue with you on purpose. Yeah. Okay. Uh, AJ underscore uh, Raber underscore photography asks, which camera brand is actually the best? Hmm. You want to take that one? <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. Um, there isn't one in my opinion. The best one is the one that works for you. Um, I've been Canon since I started shooting. It was, I fell in love with the first girl I took to the dance. I know how their color profiles are. I know how their lenses work and communicate with third party lenses. Um, it's like realistically it would take a lot to get me to move out of Canon. Like they would have to start coming up with some terrible, terrible cameras or, you know, bodies that aren't communicating well with Sigmas or, or, or other things like that. But, um, I think a lot of times there's just way too much emphasis put into gear. Like it's important to understand your gear, but some of the things you can do with a starter camera are phenomenal. And that's why I think editing is more important. Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree. I'm a Nikon person. Uh, and if you I think you put our photos, uh, you know, together with a bunch of people, a Sony person, a camera, a Canon person, a Nikon person, depending on editing style, who knows? It's hard to, it's hard to pick out like, Oh, that's definitely a shot from a Canon. Uh, that's tough. I, I don't know if many people can do that after an edited photo, maybe right out of the camera, but after an edited photo, I don't know. So I think the best camera brand is the one that you have not to sound cliche or cheesy but it's it's the one that you have at the moment that's the best one that you have it's also the worst one that you have it's the it's what you have so make yeah. it make it the best um keep practicing once you find limitations to it now for example what if your camera has 12 megapixels and you're trying to do these massive landscapes and you're trying to zoom in a little and it's it's tough okay then maybe take a look or wildlife at, yeah or wildlife definitely uh take a look at your equipment. Um, but in terms of brand, uh, that's, I think that's to each their own. It's kind of like guitars. Like there's Martin acoustics, Taylor acoustics, Gibson acoustics, which one's the best. And then there's a whole bunch of, you know, craft, uh, instruments. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's, they're all amazing instruments. It's what little sound or differences or feel do you like? What are you used to? The menu. That's why I stayed with Nikon when I switched cameras is I knew the menu was pretty much the same uh, and and the buttons were in the same layout. So I thought the learning curve would be much easier than having to learn a whole new thing. Um, so. Yeah. And I mean, it, I like what you said about uh, you'll get to a point where you feel you've maxed out what you can do with the camera in terms of limitations. Like I've hit that point. I started with a Rebel Canon, which was starter. Mm -hmm. And then... I got a 6D, which I'm still shooting with, which is like not that great. It's a, you know, 22 megapixel and I'm shooting a lot of wildlife now and I'm starting to get burned when I'm too far away with trying to zoom in. I'm losing resolutions. Like that's an example of, uh, directly facing limitations with your camera where there's nothing else you can do. Mm -hmm. other than get something better so i'm at that point now mm -hmm. um but even at that point i'm still looking at canon mirrorless yeah you know like yeah. i'm not I, I just don't want to it'd be like getting into you know a new car and not knowing where all the buttons are i mean that's fine but i just it's not something i want to deal with mm -hmm. i think to answer the question they're all great they're all great 
it's you know brands have sort of a sex appeal like which one gets you going which one's exciting to you take a look at that one and and go with it um and stick with it or not but uh, they're all they're all great at the top of the line yeah, and I mean, it's funny enough, Alan Pullman, who's on the show, uh, at, at Alftown is his Instagram handle, mm-hmm. who is amazing. I know you, we've all seen his work. Um, you know, he's been, he did an Explore Canada Instagram uh, takeover the other day. Just crazy stuff. And he's shot every single brand of camera, pretty much, except Olympus. Wow. Well, there like you he go. has a body from every camera company and that he goes back and forth with frequently. So that just reiterates kind of our point. Mm-hmm. just sort of whatever he's feeling that day yeah yeah i like that okay i'm gonna relay a topic from ian jones who was actually yes the first um ian fucking jones ian fucking jones he swears so much so much um that was my goal to swear more than him I, i'm not already, gonna be able to do it you're already losing no ian's awesome he's intense yeah. but he's not at the same time he was um, cracking so me up says, that. that was awesome yeah. <laughs> and if you haven't heard that go back and listen to because it was the first uh first edition of answering answering listener questions and this one is number two so um it's only fair we pay him homage mm-hmm. um he says what are the advantages and disadvantages of living near awesome photographic scenery. So, I mean, you and I are on the East Coast. I'm, well, you're East Coast, USA, uh, Connecticut, Vermont's nearby, Maine, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Those are all within a few hours, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of Ontario, which is smack dab in the middle of Canada. Not really mm-hmm. middle, but I wouldn't exactly call it the East Coast. The East Coast is at least 20 hours away from me. But neither way, either way, we still have a lot of you know, nice landscapes and such around us. Um, so what are some of the advantages and disadvantages for you? Like having such nice places to go to, it sounds silly to even say there's disadvantages, but there are. Yeah. And there, there's, I think he touched on it like in his episode, uh, it's tough both ways. So the grass is always greener. And I think if COVID taught me one thing, uh, when I was first now, you know, I get into photography. I'm really motivated to travel. I set up this trip. COVID happens. Now I cannot travel. Now I had to reshift and pivot. So what is what's around me? Okay. So now I'm in Connecticut. That doesn't sound that glamorous, really, uh, photography wise. But if you dig a little bit deeper, we have incredible marshlands and and bird activity, um, bird of prey activity. The osprey population is insane uh, down on the shore in the summer. Um, I have access yeah. to the shore all the way up through Maine. I've got Acadia National Park. I've got the White Mountains in New Hampshire. I have Vermont uh, and the Adirondacks. All these little places that uh, have plenty of gems that you can, you know, find out. Where before that, I'm like, I have to go somewhere big. I have to go to Iceland. I have to go to out west, somewhere so different than what I'm used to, uh, to kind of get that that eye candy going, like get that the brain stimulated, seeing a new place. Um, so. Yes. I mean, you could look at any place that you're in. If if you're in Colorado all the time and you're staring at the Rocky Mountains, uh, people probably vacation to Long Island or, or Newport every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, for sure. And to me, I'm like, really? Like, you're going here? Okay, that's yeah. weird. Uh, but it's, it's just that sort of grass is greener. Like, I need to see something different. I need to feel something different. Um, so I think that happens to anyone, no matter, no matter whom you are. Uh, 
uh, I follow someone, uh, they're from Iceland and they're a wildlife photographer and they, they travel everywhere for wildlife. They rarely put a landscape up from Iceland. And probably because they're so used to it as well. Yeah. Like, it's you just, just become used to that. Mm-hmm. It's not the interest. Like the wildlife right. that are off the island uh, is very attractive. Like I want to go see that, you know? So I, that's I just it. I think the more into it you are, like the more psyched you get about it, like the more fired up you are and the more creative shots that you end up producing. That's not to say that you can't do that in your own backyard, but I think if you're seeing the same scenery every single day, there might be more likelihood to have a creative block. Um, but that's also good too, because that's when you can push through that barrier and start getting some really creative shots by adding props or, um, you know, just noticing things, um, that are in your backyard that you missed because you're looking extra hard. Yes, I think so. Uh, one of my shots that people seem to like is the Kingfisher and I didn't know Kingfishers existed in my town, uh, until this year ever. So really? that's like one of those things, like I've never, ever seen it until it was brought to my attention. And then, you know, that became like a, an obsession in my town, you know, 20 minutes from my house to, to try to capture this bird. So, uh, I, I think there's a lot of that, like it opens up, you know, w- once you can't go to those big places, like take a look around and really try to, to dive, dive into that sort of micro level of like, um, you know, just just all the experiences that are around you i think are plentiful um it's not always the big thing i went out west and there's elk every every 20 feet like there wasn't an hour that i didn't go without shooting wildlife i have thousands of photos of deer elk bighorn sheep there was never a dry moment and i joke that like the amount of photos i have of wildlife would take me probably three to four years in connecticut Yeah, I feel that. I mean, there's just some things you can't, there's just some things that your backyard, your area aren't going to provide. Like you can't beat the Rocky Mountains. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you really want to be, if if you really, let's say, you know, shots of mountains and and things like that out West are what sell as a landscape photographer. And you really want to be one of those, like you might have to consider picking up and moving there. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you can't just beat the geological factors of the earth i mean that's just how it is um here in ontario it's just a lot of forest i mean that gets that can get old mm-hmm. um as beautiful as it is so i think it's a balance of finding those things in your in your area but also still being excited to go out and shoot that new stuff yep. um and getting extra creative in your own area um, i like to do that by adding people and props to scenes mm-hmm. yeah there's there's lots of things you can do you can get obsessed on, uh, like, I, like I said, you, you were obsessed on the elk. You, uh, I was obsessed on the kingfisher or foxes before. Um, you know, find that animal that you know is around and figure it out. Like, that's kind of a fun puzzle to do. Um, yeah. And, and what and a great word, too. Like, you have to be obsessed. Yeah. You have you know, to be. In a um, way. I don't like to think about it in a bad way, but, you know, no, just, I mean, just really Especially into with it. wildlife, you got to be obsessed. You got to. Like Mike, our friend Nooch Ten, he mm-hmm. spent how many hours trying to find a coyote? Ooh, you know, and just many. coming up empty-handed. You empty can, all the time. You missing, gotta be obsessed. missing, 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 miss, miss, constant miss, miss. miss. Woof, woof. Yeah, just nothing. One German Shepherd that he told us was a coyote, but it clearly was a German <laughs> Shepherd. It was not a coyote. I think or, he went to like a taxidermy shop and then 
yeah, put you know, it out bought, there. Bought a coyote and just like kind of placed it in the snow. It's like, hey guys, look, I got it. What do you think? <laughs> it's a little blurry. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of snowfall. He's like got a big industrial fan blowing cotton balls. <laughs> it's definitely what happened. Yeah, no coyote. Um. All right. Well, about your kingfisher shot. Good segue because I'm gonna not let you go again. I'm gonna go. Okay. I'm gonna go twice with questions because Upstate Face, our our guy Matt. Matt, what's up? Yeah, Matt asked, how did Aaron? How, Aaron, did you get that Kingfisher shot? It's incredibly epic and looks difficult. A freaking Run us through you. it. And for it, everyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, describe the image. Um, and it's obviously on your profile. A um, couple months back, probably, if you scroll. Um, but just describe what went into that, because it's like perfect timing, it hitting the water and snagging a fish. So... Matt also has a print of that. So thank you, Matt. Uh, he won that during our little contest giveaway. So uh, that's awesome. And an awesome question because it was hard. Uh, I mean, there's nothing <laughs> there's, I'm not going to mince words there. Uh, started off with paddle boarding in a cove uh, around in my town off the Connecticut river, big river. There's a big cove behind there. Um, and I heard of these kingfishers were around, uh, but did not know. There's plenty of other birds there. And, and I see this bird. It looks kind of like a blue jay. It flies the same way. It kind of has similar posture. Uh, and I'm like, oh my God, I think that's a kingfisher. So now I'm obsessed. Now it's it clicks in. Uh, and I know nothing about their behavior. So this is a big thing in wildlife is you'll find an animal. And unless you know everything about it, if you're just learning about a kingfisher or a fox or an elk, you'll start to learn and feel their behaviors and like you'll mess up a lot. So my strategy, original strategy was bringing my camera out on my paddleboard. And if you just wait, you'll hear them, their, their machine gun call. They're going to fly from, you know, tree to tree along the shoreline and dive into the water. So you'll see a big splash. You'll hear them call. You'll kind of see them swooping across. So I'm, I'm chasing them with my paddleboard. Uh, like I'll see it and then I'll go over there and I'll get to like 40 yards and they're a small bird trying to take photos. I might get some decent ones and then they fly away. Uh, I paddleboard, 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 uh, take some decent photos, then they fly away. Uh, and then they might fly across the entire cove and you're like, damn it. And you just got to paddle all the way over to the other side and do the same thing. And after a while, after a lot of mistakes and just images that were like, okay, but I knew I could get better. I seen these images online. I knew I could get better. Uh, I was like, I have to rethink my strategy here. So I brought now on my paddleboard, a whole bunch of like a blind. I brought uh, a camping chair. Uh, now I'm going to go and figure out where they're landing. So I've seen the trees they're going to and hopping to. I brought an ax out and was chopping down the little branches that are going to get in the way of my shot because I had one opportunity, but there's a branch right in the way of my shot. So I'm chopping down all these branches to leave these perfect perches. So now that's the effort that comes in and like the obsession. I'm sitting mm -hmm. in the woods and now I'm waiting and I'm having these opportunities where they're perching on the branch. They're 20 yards from me. I'm getting really decent profile shots um, or portrait shots of them. Uh, but the shot you're talking about was across the corner of a pond and this female kingfisher was really hungry that day and just kept going to the same perch and slamming down into the water. So of that shot, I have that one clear one. That was the only one out of probably, I would say 400 clicks and wow. 
maybe 20 tries of her diving into the water and coming up. There were a couple where she came up without a fish, like she missed, but that was the one that when I zoomed in, I was like, oh my God, that is pretty sharp. And it was still pretty far away. Like I had to zoom in a good amount. Uh, it's a little bit soft um, because it was a, a little bit further than I wanted, but that was like the, the whole process of that took hours and hours and hours and not being satisfied either. I mean, I have, I have thousands of Kingfisher pictures that are decent, but they're not that. And they're not the, the portrait ones that are very close up and detailed. Um, just because, you know, you you get that, like, I could do better. I could do better. So, you know, um, so yeah, that's that story. It was tough. It was a lot of mud, a lot of paddleboarding. Uh, it kept me in shape that summer, uh, last summer. And uh, I can't wait to go out there again this year uh, and do the same thing and kind of up my game a little bit, I think. So I have some ideas for for this summer uh, with those kingfishers. That's so awesome. I don't know. Did you find yourself too? Because I know I do this each time coming back with so many more questions about the thing you're trying to photograph. Oh, like, yeah. I've my new obsession in the last two days mm-hmm. is river otters. Um, I went this. out, so I was out looking across the lake and there was two, two wolves walking across. So I said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to go out and, and follow their tracks, kind of see roughly where they're denning. I don't want to get too close. Don't want to like disrespect them, but I want to know the rough area of where they're in. And then I see all these like slide marks. This is the middle of the lake. And I'm like, there's nobody tobogganing out here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going underneath fallen tree trunks. I'm like, this can't be, this can't be, you know, people. And there's these little paw prints inside them. Hmm. And I'm just like, what the hell are these? And I figure I get home, I'm doing a bunch of Googling and researching and it's river otters sliding on their bellies across the snow. And now it's like all I want to read about. So, I mean, that obsession that we're talking about and like learning by either watching or observing what's your, um, what you're trying to shoot, how it behaves. Um, is so important and I think will ultimately lead to you getting whatever shot you intend. Yeah. And a whole bunch of connection and it just feeling like, ah, like I'm understanding nature and I'm not one with it, but like part of it. A, yeah. It's a part of it. You, you become like, all right, my movements and my human actions aren't working this way. I need to like observe. I need to just learn and observe and see what's happening and then put myself in a situation where it happens around you. So there's, for me, it's always been this shift of chasing, 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 allowing Mm -hmm. to come in, allowing to come in. So there's always like this chase, chase, chase. And that's like educational, I think, to like learn, learn, learn. And then there's a shift when I learn enough to allow it to come in and you kind of stop and it just happens. And it's, it's, not to sound cheesy, but it's pretty magical. It's like a weird like switch that goes off. Yeah. And I know the feeling you mean of chasing. I think what ends up happening is, you know, to quote hockey fans, people who know Wayne Gretzky, he says, I would always go where I thought the puck was going to be. Yeah. I think you end up getting to that point where you're like, okay, I'm going to stop following and chasing and trying to force things. And I'm going to place myself where I think things are going to happen. And that could be with wildlife or it could be, I'm going to place myself where I think this mountain is going to look best. Um, you know, where the sun's going to shine from at just the right way or, um, thinking ahead as opposed to like following Mm -hmm. chasing, avoiding Mm -hmm. the chase. I think the chase is good for recon and scouting. And that's so funny. I never really, I've heard, you know, I, I talked about this. Uh, I think Brooke Little Bear mentions this a lot. And she might have mentioned it on our podcast about 
you know, scouting, going out and scouting animals. And I know she does that all the time. I never really understood that. I'm, I, I was always kind of of the mind of, I want to go out and just try and get a picture. I mean, I'm, I'm out here. Why am I going to waste four or five hours just scouting? But I'm now starting to understand, you know, as someone who's only been doing this since June of 2020, how important it is to understand what's going on, what the tendencies are, mm-hmm. um, and being satisfied coming back, just simply knowing more with yeah. an empty card. Yeah. And I agree that that notion of going to scout and not taking pictures or what if I go scout and the thing I'm trying to is right there. <laughs> yeah. Like that would, that would, I don't know. That would take a lot of patience to be like, okay. Uh, but well, I, I mean, like, always bring your camera. Right. Of course. But go out with the intention that I'm going to see nothing and anything more than that is a pleasant surprise. But I like to couple scouting with another activity. For example, I will go paddleboarding, which is good and satisfies something uh, else and not take my camera. But I will, while I'm doing that, there's no pressure and I can learn a lot. Like, wow, in this mm. cove, uh, I saw bald eagle. I saw ospreys hunting. I saw uh, kingfishers. I saw blue heron. Okay, um, here's where they all were. I'm learning a lot. Now I'm going to come back with my camera. So coupling that with like, I'm going to go for a long hike in this area where I feel like there's going to be fox. Uh, let's see what happens and then go back. So kind of like coupling it with a different activity too, as a scouting thing makes it a little yeah. bit easier for sure. And having that confidence to know that, okay, I've seen him once. It means I'll see him twice. Um, Absolutely. You know, cause you could have that serious FOMO, that fear of missing out. Right. Yeah. Um, which I struggle with. That's why I tend to bring my camera everywhere. But I know what you're saying. It's so nice to just not bring it along sometimes. Like the entire month of December, I don't know if I took a picture, hmm. which felt really nice. I was actually talking um, to J-Dub Captures, Jenny, about this. She was just mentioning today and when we were talking that she hasn't shot in weeks. And I was like, that's good. Like It's refreshing to, to do that sometimes. And I was, I was mentioning how I hadn't shot all of December and didn't even realize, to be honest, until I brought my camera out the other day. Mm-hmm. and looked at what the most recent shot on my card was. I was like, huh, yeah, this is really good for me. It's good in, in all aspects to take a break and refresh and, you know, burn back the passion, I think, you know, take a, take a minute sometimes. Yeah, I mean, well, this is kind of interesting too. So you took a break um, during the holiday season. I did. Um, I took seven days off of Instagram. I deleted it from my phone. And let me tell you, everyone. Yeah, walk us through day one, two, coming back on. I will cuz this is I think this is fascinating. I'm I'm a counselor so I'm into psychology and human behavior. I love that stuff. Uh I deleted Instagram from my phone. Gone. Day 1, first couple of hours, I had an automatic tick of opening up my phone and going to where the app was and clicking it and it wasn't there. For many times, many behavioral times, I did this move. And every time I got sort of a zap, like a, a acknowledgement of, hey, man, like, you know, it's not there. This is bad. This is bad. Yeah. You know, it's not there. You deleted it and you're automatically going to do this. And people talk about distraction all the time. Like, I'm sure listeners out there know, like, oh, I have to Google, like, where my doctor's appointment is. And they pick up their phone and then they're on Instagram and they're like, what was I doing? Like it, it can invade your entire life. Uh, mm-hmm. or maybe that's just me. Maybe I was severely addicted no, and totally okay. know what you're okay. talking about. Good. Thank God. Um, so that was day one, day two, that started to fade. And I started to notice that also that that was fading that, that sort of behavioral, uh, click slide for me, I have to slide, go into a folder and hit 
like the social media folder, hit it. So I make it a few steps, but I was doing all those steps in the first you make couple it tough hours. On yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I was doing all those steps in the first hours and like catching them quicker and quicker. So I'd catch it on the first slide and be like, Oh, it's not there. And then that stopped. Then, uh, it, it just sort of faded away very quickly. I think as quickly as it gets addicting is as quickly as it goes away. Cause it's not our human. I don't think it's like our human nature to be on social media and be on the, on the phone. So very quickly, I found myself like clear of head, uh, getting a lot done, very efficient, uh, present in what I was doing, whether I was with my son or driving or, uh, at work, uh, just in a much better headspace, taking better photos, like going to do that, editing more, uh, getting a ton done. My, my, uh, screen time dropped 34% in three days. So I'd start this on a Wednesday. So now on Sunday you get that report. So just by doing that for three days, four days, whatever it was, my screen time dropped close to 40%. And wow, I was like, wow, that's not even a whole week. And it dropped 40%. That's insane. Now, this is when I think Instagram starts to get you. Like they notice, they notice like, hey, this guy's been on a lot. And, yeah, what's the deal? And now he's, he's not. So let's, let's email him about... Um, uh, someone's commenting on your, Hey, someone's commenting on your, um, picture. You should go check it out. Uh, or like, Hey, um, I don't know if you saw this feature that you just got, but it's pretty freaking huge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll little, talk about that in a minute. Wow. Little whispers like that, but it went nuts. And I swear I'm like, Oh, they like something's going on with this thing where they know, Hey, this guy that was addicted is not, and we need to get him back. I, I can't, that's scary. dude. It's, I'm telling you, man, the, I don't get a ton of features. I get occasional ones. I quit my Instagram, like delete it and don't go on it for the first time. I must've got eight, eight in a row that Some were heavy ones that were huge. Like one was a 3.9 million follower account, wasn't it? Yes. The Canon photos one. For and you Canon. shoot Canon. So, I shoot you know Nikon what? and it was for <laughs> Canon. Like how desperate were they that they had to get me back that they're, they're putting me on a Canon photos feature page. Come on. Yeah. And that was I mean, hard. It's got to be sheer coincidence, but the notifications. Yes. The notifications. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but maybe. Oh, and that in that documentary series, Social Dilemma, they talk about yeah. like, yeah, hey, let's everybody watch that if you haven't. Let's send out. Maybe they're sending out his photos to more viewers. More, maybe it's hitting more eyes because I'm not there right. to get Good more call. reaction. And then it started to trickle. Now you get one feature, and there's a domino effect. We've seen that because with, all the smaller ones pick yeah, it up. Right, we yeah. see that with all our friends. But it was it was also a test of, you know, my self-discipline because I set aside, I'm going to do this for a week at the very least, maybe 10 days all the way from Christmas Eve to new year's day. Um, and it was like, Ooh, like I wanted to thank the people for featuring me. I wanted to acknowledge, I felt kind of crummy, like getting these huge features and just blowing it off. But I, I stuck to it and, and thank them later and no big deal. But, uh, it it's, I suggest everyone does that. Maybe I was just going to say, why didn't it be really cool to make this a photographer mindset challenge for people listening? And I mean, if you're sitting there thinking, hearing this, even me mentioning that and going, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Like, 
that may be a problem. Yes. Like, so- I'm even thinking about it saying, could I? Because in my mind, so much of my productivity relies on social networking um, and staying relevant. So, I mean, this could be really cool. I think it would be maybe very interesting to you and I to spearhead like a, a week detox challenge for listeners yeah. here. I'll t- I, I mean, here's the positive. I, I did it and I had the, all those thoughts and I gained a ton of followers and a ton of features by doing it. Uh, it it worked. It gave me the results. Not that I'm saying everyone's going to have the same results, but it gave what I was worried about was a non-factor. What actually happened was everything that I wanted to happen while I was doing it. So mm. it made no sense and therefore said like, hey, you could take a week off. And in fact, when I see people say like, hey, I'm going to take a week off of Instagram or you know, I'm going on vacation, I'm going to put the phone down. I, I have mad respect for them. Like, I'm just like, good right. for you. Like you can do that. Then you, you're in charge of what's going on here. Instagram's not in charge of you. You're in charge of it. And I think a week off, I mean, no one's going to, I'm sorry to say, but no one's going to notice. No one's going to notice. Yeah, really? I mean, that's scary. I think then you can make the argument that we have hundreds of millions of people who suffer from addiction. Oh, absolutely. And in because, you know, the real definition of it is when you feel, I don't know what the actual definition is, but I'm paraphrasing is something you feel like you can't stop and you have no control over it. Are you pulling it up in front of you? What's the definition of addiction? I'm going, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Hey, Alexa, what, what's the definition? <laughs> the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. Dependency, dependence, craving, habit, weakness, compulsion, all those things. Any, right. any distraction, anything that's distracting you from anything else is an addiction. Some addictions can be classified as healthy. Um, right. You know? Working out. Working out, eating healthy, obsessing over healthy eating. Exactly. Well, no, maybe we should, maybe we should do, start getting people, we could run like a challenge, like a a seven day challenge. If you can do it. I don't want to. I'm scared. Well, you don't have to do it. You already did it, but I I think I might try. I think I'm going to try. Yeah. I I think I'm going to do this at least twice a year. If not, you know, once a quarter, take a week off, delete it from your phone take a look around, pay attention. What have I been missing out? Yeah. The hours a day. I mean, if it's one hour a day, two hours a day, it's, that's an amazing amount of time. Everyone complains. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to work out. I don't have enough time to yeah, whatever, that's not true. cook healthy meals. It's too like put Instagram down and I'll show you a lot of time. No yeah, offense, let's Instagram. Mark that's awesome. Zuckerberg, I, yeah, I think you're let's not really smart. Gonna, and I yeah, think you're, you're really Mr. Robot, man. You're handsome. And um, <laughs> I, I think you're doing great things with everything. Yeah. Thank you. Almighty Zuckerberg. Um, what else you got? I think I've uh, done. We said Brooke. So let's, she, uh, oh, she sent you one too. She sent me, she sent me two. One is ridiculous. Well, but, <laughs> uh, most humbling moment in photography slash the outdoors. Okay. Most humbling moment. Want me to go? Most yeah, you go. I want to think about that. Most, yeah, think about read it, it again I've, to me. I've seen it, so I've thought about it. Uh, most humbling moment in photography slash the outdoors. So humbling in photography for me is, uh, I just, I pretty much feel like I just started photography. And to have any sort of attention from 
the Brooke Little Bears, uh, Olympus-sponsored photographer, uh, the Seth Macy, Dave Sanford, Dave Sanford, Brett, New, like all our guys, Nooch, Adam, uh, everyone, um, J Dubs, uh, the whole crew of the you know the East and West competition. Um, that's humbling in the sense of like, wow, like I feel like I kind of belong in right. a group of photographers, and I feel like I just started and got into it. So that for me is, is kind of cool. And being on a podcast, That's exciting, man, yeah. What like the hell are you going to be doing in a decade? Who the hell knows? Probably video That's bananas. I was, yeah, we, you and I need to get into video, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, that, that's definitely the most humbling in the outdoors just happened. And this is another question. So it kind of ties in, but, uh, I fell through a river in the freezing tundra of New Hampshire. Uh, that's scary, man. I, About I know I'm laughing, ago. but like that can end poorly. Yes. And it's amazing the switch your brain has. Now, I got a little bit not focused. And this is what's humbling about nature or outdoors is how badass it is. And it does not F around. It does not F Takes around. No prisoners, eh? No. So the river was rushing. Uh, they had a ton of rain, but then it's 20 degrees. So it's pretty much not frozen because it's rushing. Uh, I wanted to take the picture of a covered bridge. Uh, I am being a little bit hasty and I jump out onto a rock that was completely ice covered. My feet went up. I was in midair holding my camera, holding a tripod in the air and landed hard on the rock and bounced because it was ice just thrown into the rushing river. Uh, it was about four feet of water. I went completely under like head down, clear water, freezing a lot of current. I could not get my feet down because the current was going so fast and all the thoughts. It's amazing when you go into like this, I need to survive mode. Uh, Mm -hmm. the thoughts were clear as day is like, all happening at the same time. Like don't gasp for air because it's cold. It shocks you. Uh, Oh my God, my equipment's in here. Am I hurt? Is anything broken? Cause I fell on a rock. Uh, where do I do? What do I do when I get out? How do I get out? Like everything's all happening so fast at yeah. once. And, uh, I got out of the river. Uh, I crawled out. My buddy was there. He walked over and he was like, you know, what's funny is, uh, I just imagined that you were going <laughs> to fall into the river. <laughs> And I was like, dude, not now. I almost died. Like, like, help me out. Take my camera. I was more worried about my camera at that point once I was on my feet. Once you knew you were okay. Yeah. Um, And another plug for Nikon. My camera was completely underwater, soaked. I took out the memory card. I took out the battery, uh, put it in front of the heater uh, for like 12 hours. The bubbles were coming out of the the eye lens. Uh, It was soaked and it works. It works like a charm. And even my lens had water between the layers of glass and put that on top of the heater, uh, like the blower. And that's pretty good right now too. That even works. I cannot believe it. But, uh, so that's my humbling moment with nature is don't ever disrespect it or not pay it attention and be careful. I see these people all the time, like on the edge of cliffs, taking photos and like doing these crazy things for the picture. And sometimes I'm just like, yeah, well you get the horror stories every year Mm -hmm. about influencers who die and stuff, but it's funny you say that. So today I mentioned it earlier in our episode here that I was out looking for river otters. So I was Mm -hmm. out by myself on the frozen lake. I didn't fall through. Um, I had my snowshoes on to help try and disperse some weight. Um, 
there's pockets in the lake that are softer than others. There's mm-hmm. been a cold, few cold nights up here, minus 20 Celsius. I know that means nothing to you Americans. You guys got to get mm-hmm. um, get it together with the rest of the world here on the metric system. But that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's a few spots, you know, where I'm walking. And I'm totally by myself. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, it's funny. you say, what, Your story is so perfect because I just kept saying to myself, don't disrespect nature. Do not disrespect what it could do to you right now. Like you are by yourself. There's no one around. Do not like stay close to shore. What are you going to do if you, if you, you start hearing ice crack? Um, even though it's been really cold the last few days, mm-hmm. um, you know, checking every hundred feet, digging my foot into the snow. Like how thick is this ice? Because I know if I go through, that's it. Ooh. That is it. Yeah. I don't, um, it's making me uncomfortable. You know what I mean? (laughs) But it's, but it's so to the point, like there's nature and and being outside and and just takes no prisoners and you got to be focused like constantly. What am I going to do if this happens? What am I going to, you know? And there's a couple of times where you take that footprint in the snow and it turns yellow from the lake water coming up and I'm just mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to back up. Mm -hmm. Like I this is somewhere I should not be. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my, I wouldn't know if that's the most humbling experience I've ever had. I just off the top of my head, building off your story, I understand what you're saying. Like you got to respect the animals and just the sheer brutality of what can happen to you out there. Yeah. And the animals too. I mean, they're, they're wild and they're strong. So, you know, not messing with that too. Yeah. Which wait, is it my turn? No, it's your turn. For what? Humbling uh, moment uh, or new, no, new, no. new, uh. New yeah, question. A new question. Moving moving through them. New question. Ooh. Do I go with a Ben Scar one? You know Probably what? Not. I told you before we started that Ben Scar sent you up a beach ball of a question. Yes. This one's gonna be a spike. right up your alley. Um and I know you've shot with him and Ben is insane at what he does. I like I don't know if Ben sleeps. Um no. he, he does I think he does. He's so efficient. That's the thing. Like these kids. No, nah, I shouldn't even say that. Him, he is so efficient. It's unbelievable to watch him work. If anyone can go shoot with Ben, like go shoot with Ben and learn. You'll you'll feel you'll feel like a piece of dog crap at the <laughs> and end. And referring because, to Ben Scar at E N S K A A R. If you don't know Ben, um, go follow him because yeah. he is very talented. And I'm glad you said he is only 17 or 18, but I'm glad that you said that, that at that point. I think he's tired of hearing that. It's not really relevant anymore. He's just it's not him, just him. It's not relevant at all. Um, but he says, what's a quote that has changed your mindset? Ooh, I love it. Let me look it up because I want to get it perfect. Uh, it is by Victor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor and wrote a book, man's search for meaning. Um, but it goes along the lines of, Between every stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is the power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And I I love that. So no matter what happens to you, there is a moment from that happening to how you respond. And in that moment... You have a choice. You can choose how you want to act, how you want to lash out, how you want to be angry, vindictive, 
awful, whatever it is, you can choose, or you can be patient, have grace, uh, pride, uh, whatever respect you can walk away. You have this moment to, to make that decision. And I think that is huge for people to know, uh, and to really think about. And once you do agree with it and say like, yeah, there is a space and there is a little bit of choice in terms of reaction. Um, it, it can really help you. That's mine. Damn. I love that. It's a good I one. I think right? that's all good stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with, I had to pull it up too, cause I don't want to paraphrase. Um, but it's got from a guy I follow. He has a podcast, Corey Wayne. And, uh, it's, I think he's actually taken it from Tony Robbins. And it's, we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and underestimate what we can accomplish in a decade. Hmm. Um, and basically what that's just saying is, you know, we're biting off way more than we can chew and, and thinking that we can do so much in just such a short amount of time that people forget about the long term, the process about if you actually look back, you, you know, take a smaller amount of time, um, two years Let's take you. Where were you at two years ago? You weren't even shooting. Nope. So that's why I said earlier, imagine a decade. So I think to me, what that really says is focus on the long game. Um, If you focus on the short term, you're not going to see as large of increments in your own progress. Whereas if you look back at larger increments of time, you'll you'll see, wow, I've really improved this much or I've done so much that you would have otherwise not noticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And if I could add a little bit to that, I think it goes along those lines of like, really take a look at your process every day. And is your process good enough to get the goals and the results that you potentially want to have? Like have those in the, in the, you know, in your sites, but really study your process. Are you, are you shooting once a week? You know, are you editing two weeks later? Are you posting once a month? Uh, are you pushing yourself? Are you not traveling? Like take a look at your process and make sure that you're doing what it takes to get those goals. Or at least make your, your goals realistic to those things. Like if you decide, mm -hmm. Hey, I only want to shoot once a week, Mm -hmm. set up goals that are attainable to that you know, as opposed to, I want to be wildlife photographer of the year, right. but I only want to shoot twice, twice a month. Right. Like you got to right. check yourself at that point. Yep. Um, all right. You fire one all off right. and then I'll do one and I think we'll wrap it. Cool. Uh, Thomas Koek, uh, that's his. Oh, awesome. You know, Thomas? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk about the importance of ethical wildlife photography. We were just talking about this the other day because, I went to go shoot snow owls and I got there at the right time, but I heard earlier they closed the beach down because there was a fight between uh, birders, animal activists, birders, and photographers fighting about the snow owls so badly that they had to shut the beach down to the public. Like a fist fight? Yeah, like words and fighting and a scuffle. I don't have Those details, but I mean... Or photographers, I guess. Or photographers, I guess. They have weapons and they have tripods. As the, I, I think in terms of nerd fights, like I don't know if it gets any, any nerdier, nerdier than birders <laughs> versus photographers over snowy owls. I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know, but I'm so mad that I missed it. Uh, wow. Forget snowy owls. I would have journal photographed that. Yeah. Photojournalism. Yeah. Photojournalism that. Uh, but anyways, ethical wildlife photography. Go ahead. For me, um, it's respecting your distance. Number one. Um, it's actually funny before I get into this the other day, I posted a photo um, of a moose and I always like to put the model of lens that I use in the caption. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I told you about this and I, I used, I use a template and I go back and forth between my Sigma 150 to 600 mil and my 24 to 70 millimeter. And being a bonehead, I have this like <laughs> great portrait of a moose and I put the 24 to shot on Canon 60 with Sigma photo. Um, 24 to 70 millimeter and for people who read captions they're like how how are you this close that's, you, not like, that's, that, that's scary close and i was just like oh i'm such a dumbass and at the same time i didn't want to edit the caption because it was too late that so when you obviously when you re-edit right you lose all that momentum you got from tags yeah or any of that stuff so i was just like oh man i'll change it tomorrow but i just felt like such a bonehead in the moment <laughs> that people were thinking that but at least i found out yeah, since we're did. a photographer mindset and we're looking for positives, yeah. I found out who reads my captions. That's so that true. was important to know. Yeah. Um, and it affected you, and you you wanted to tell everyone, like you, you told our group, you're like, "Hey, this, that like, was a I did not do this. Yeah. I was not that close." No. Yeah, I, I guess I never really thought of that, but yeah, definitely for me, it's distance. Um, being close enough to get the shot that will. Um, portray whatever message you're trying to portray but also being far enough that you're retaining the boundary of the wild aspect of that animal um especially in jasper and heavily touristy areas where you know they're somewhat habituated to people um for me that's what it is and also just trying your best to not trample um you know, I'm relatively new to the wildlife photography genre. I only started in June, which is exciting to me because I feel like I've made a lot of progress. I'm excited for the, the next few years, but I think there's just some common sense involved. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to be up in an animal's grill or up in their, their den or their hole. Um, you don't need to be baiting them. Um, in fact, a lot of contests you submit to, if they find out that it's been baited, you're x um, for me, it's just really that distance and avoiding trample and taking routes that are, I guess, ethical is the word environmentally responsible. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I've had people before, I think this happened with somebody on one of the Fox shots I had the classic, where, where is this? Like, there's no way I'm telling you where that is mm-hmm. because I don't have faith in you as a stranger that you're not just going to divulge that to everyone and anyone, you know, and then that Fox and its family, future generations can no longer den there due to vehicle traffic, foot traffic. Yeah. So that's kind of it for me. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Similar. Also, you know, some places you're doing wildlife, you're not alone. There's lots of other photographers. So there's a part where I don't want to be the guy that gets, you know, into the altercation. I'm not going to be the closest one to the animal. Um, 
I'm not going to be the one that makes it fly away or makes it run away or makes it uncomfortable. Yeah, interesting thought. Uh, Especially so, birding. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to be that guy. So the snowy owls, uh, I think it was just chance, but I had that sort of feeling. There was an owl on a, a retaining wall or um, a jetty uh, right before the ocean just hanging out. And that was the first owl that I came around the corner and saw. And there were a group of five photographers sitting there taking pictures and I was well behind. But when I came up, that's when the bird flew away. Uh, like two minutes later, I got like four shots uh, of the snowy owl and it, it flew away, went on and did its thing. And I had this moment of like, did I, what did I do? Did I do that? Um, and I think it happens sometimes. And just being aware and really trying your best to not disturb anything. Uh, and that's the thing. If you are paying attention and you're not being self-centered and selfish and needing the shot, you can see when an animal very clearly is, is upset, stressed. So paying attention to that and not pushing it back away. Yeah. And I, I felt that very much so in Banff and Jasper when I was there recently, just the mm-hmm. amount of, pr- I could, I like to call myself empathetic and I know that relates to other humans, but in this sense, I'm going to personify animals. I could just feel the pressure that these animals must feel being in a national park, Mm -hmm. um, trying their best to remain wild and, um, avoiding people the best they can. It's very difficult. And I, I very much empathized with them. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) sigh I think I got time for one more this is a good one to end on from uh, Chris Taylor Um, he says how how can amateur and beginner photographers connect with seasoned photographers so someone who's made that transition very quickly I'm sure you have some insight and we kind of talked about it on this episode so how can beginner photographers like just hook up, uh, meet up with seasoned photographers. That's yeah. the question. Cut that part out because I sound like a dum dum. <laughs> Leave that part in because it was funny. Um, I, I put yourself out there. Uh, comment on their work. Someone that you look up to. Uh, be genuine. Uh, oh, that's a it's a great topic. Anyone can see through this sort of BS that is social media and Instagram. Um, don't like 20 of my photos and then not follow me and then ask me to follow you. That's not going to work. That's not going to work that those moves don't work. Uh, or, you know, I think just be really genuine. If you look up to someone, comment on them, uh, DM them a a legit question that you have. Um, you know, don't always resp- uh, expect a response or need one or feel like they're a bad person if they don't. This stuff gets, you know, it takes a lot of time. Uh, and I, I know myself and all my friends, uh, we, we try to, we try to respond to as much as we can, if not everything. Um, but, but I think reaching out, being a, a good person, being genuine and, uh, you know, putting your ego at the door and just like wanting to learn and wanting to, how can I get better? How can I join, join communities? Like we have the new England thing, the Toronto thing, the Buffalo thing. That is, I mean, if you have access to those sorts of communities in your area, do that because you will learn so much and you'll, you'll have that sort of competition. That's 
without like the nasty part of competition. It's just you're learning from each other uh, and you'll constantly get better and better and better. And I think just just be a good person is, yeah. is all I can say. And uh, that usually works out with other good people. Yeah. I mean, I have a couple things. I mean, one of them would be even just um, have your name continuously come across that other person's screen digitally. Um, like Chris, who asked this question, if you're, if you're listening, I know like you're, we're constantly talking, you know what I mean? Like I, I would already say, if you consider me seasoned, I don't think I do, but, and if you consider yourself a beginner, I don't think that you are either, but like just the constant engagement that you and I have, I would say is a connection. Um, as well, I think just honestly shoot your shot at times. Um, even with this show, like having Dave Sanford on and Warren Keelan, I just asked, mm-hmm. you know, Dave Sanford, Sanford was through a connection of a listener on the show who said, um, you know, he's my friend. He would be really good on this show. And now, you know, Dave's in my phone, which not to embarrass Dave, cause I know he listens to this, but like we all look up to Dave. He has 30 years of experience. How cool is that? Dave's not just in for, my phone. Just for asking. Um, and even another uh, listener of the show, Jamie, said you should have one of my favorite photographers on, Alan Pullman. So I was like, all right, messaged Alan. Hey, like I'm doing the blah, blah, blah. And, you know, now Alan and I talk all the time. I think it's honestly just showing up. Um, and I think people can be really intimidated by that initial conversation. Um, I guess rightfully so. But I mean, if you really ask yourself, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're not going to reply. Okay, just continue on with your life. Um, that's kind of it for me on top of being involved in communities, like you said, and just trying everything out. Um, for me, it's just sort of simplifying it. Just ask, say hello to people. I don't know if that's much help, but that's kind of my thought and how it works for me at times. Yeah. Reach out, be real, be yourself and not everyone's going to like you and a lot of people will that's just the way it goes and um but you'll you'll run into the people that want to help and you'll you'll learn the most from them and and the yeah. people you gel with like people naturally click with certain personalities um, yeah and people you don't click with you're going to learn also how you don't want to be mm-hmm how you don't want to be, what you don't want to do, uh, you know, as you get bigger, how you want to treat your fans, all that sort of stuff. Exactly. Well, man, this has been a really good episode. I think we answered a lot of questions. Um, I think so too. I'm usually pretty good at coming close to an hour. Uh, yeah. Volume two, volume two with Aaron Manis photography or Mantis photography. Um, it's been fun. Is there anything else yeah. you want to add? You want to wrap up? So maybe some themes for today. First, I'm upset that Dave Sanford isn't in my phone. Um, yeah, it was a huge number. flex on my part. Wow. Yeah, that was number Sorry one. Sorry to you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to go back to Brooke's question, most humbling moment, I guess it's now, uh, where I guess I don't deserve Dave's number. So that's fine. That's yeah, fine. you just got humbled by humbled. me. Mm-hmm. Um, wrap it up. I, I, you know, uh, where'd we go? Let's go backwards. Uh, be true, be genuine, uh, be kind, uh, reach out to people. Don't, don't be scared. Um, put tons of time into what you're obsessed with, put tons of time in. It takes tons of time. Work at it. Um, respect the outdoors. Be very respectful of nature and how instantly it can turn on you. Um, Uh, what else we got looking out for 2021, some goals you said, enter the the more physical realm of photography prints 
mm-hmm. getting stuff hung in shops. Um, for me, I had some, not resolutions, but goals. Um, I didn't really talk about mine because they're more interpersonal. Well, actually, I want to photograph a bear. Ooh, me I've too. I've never done that. Um, do more of what's working, less of what's not. Underpromise and overdeliver. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I got. Love it. It's a good way to end. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Volume two. Thank you very much. I can't wait for volume three. That's when I start <laughs> to shine and let loose. <laughs> a couple of years ready. from now, if we're still rolling. All right. I love it. All right. See ya. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. If you like this episode and you've been liking what you've been hearing and you're on Apple Podcasts, it'd be awesome if you could leave a review and a rating if you haven't done so. Uh, so far, it helps the show rank better and be seen by more people. Until next time, everyone, go get shooting, go get editing, and stay focused. See you then.